It's on her first one. She's sitting one after the, a crazy shot. Val Sweeting tries a run back on a corner guard to double off a stone basically right behind it. Mm-hmm. Somehow thins it into the forefoot. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Had you seen something like that, Scott, where a run back on a stone that's about 9 o'clock hits it so thin that it moves it three feet into the forefoot? Yeah, not, not at uh, this level, Sean. I think we've all seen that at the club. You know, where somebody tries to do something, gets a totally different uh, result than they were trying, and it's very yeah. frustrating. Uh, I can't imagine how frustrating it is at uh, at this level to have that happen. Uh, it's one of those you yeah. just uh, shake your head and say, I hope that balances out over the course of the game. Uh, in the end, it didn't, though. So Jones was trying to get her two set up there in the eighth and uh, just wasn't able to do it, right? It actually really worked out well that Val did that. It comes behind a Team Canada stone at the top of the forefoot and kind of a handcuff Jennifer Jones a little bit mm. for the rest of that end. And then it's her first one, and they're looking at some taps, some stuff in front. There's three guards in front. And then they eventually decide on a wide outturn draw. And because Glenn Howard was their skip, of course it picked, and uh, she missed it. Uh, but it was actually a legit <laughs> it was a legitimate legit pick. pick. There yeah. was a Yeah, there was a scratch in the ice, which is unfortunate. And it didn't really give her a chance. Carrie throws something else up. Uh, there's no draw anymore. And there's really nothing that Jen can do. She tries a tap back. It was very dangerous. Almost ended up giving a steal. Mm-hmm. And at that point, down one, going to the ninth, then Carrie Anderson has the hammer. Mathematically, sure, you get the force. But at that point, it, it felt a little to me that the game's probably over because Carrie Anderson is just that good at defense but i don't know scott would you did you have any sense there that maybe jennifer jones could somehow pull this out she is jennifer jones after all yeah of course and and they had gotten a steal uh, i think in the friday night game against yeah they, they had a steal of four in the second end against anderson now obviously she's not going to play as fast and loose as she would in that seeding pool game where you know it doesn't really matter if you if you lose but uh there was a chance we saw earlier in the semifinal against Krista McCarvel, Perry Anderson was not really on her game. Quite a few uh, sort of heavy draws or uh, tap back attempts that were just a bit too heavy. So you, there was always a chance uh, for sure. And like you say, with Jennifer Jones, she's always going to believe she's got a chance to do it. With the tick rule in place, you know, it, it makes it not quite as much of a done deal. Uh, so yeah, she just went for it, and like you said, that last uh, shot of hers it was close, but it, it, she missed it the wrong way, I'd say, uh, heavy yeah. and and blocked into the open, giving giving an open hit for five. And obviously that was enough, and uh, for for Carrie Anderson makes the easy hit. Crowd knew it as well. They had the nice slow clap as the rock was coming down, yeah. and Carrie Anderson is your four time defending. Scotty's Tournament of Hearts champion. If you look at some of the numbers of this game, it was really interesting that first half that you just, it's force, 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 force in those first four ends. And then it's the steal of two in the fifth that really turns the tide. You talk about a team that starts without the hammer. They often say, if we can flip the hammer in the first half of the game, we're doing well. And that steal of two in the fifth, and then getting the four right back in the sixth. Really, it's not what you expect from Jennifer Jones to 
I mean, she'll give up steals here and there because she plays as aggressively as she does, but you don't expect her to go through a game and not be able to convert any hammers. That is, it's very un-Jennifer Jones-like, a credit to Carrie Anderson for sure, uh, but the fact that they couldn't crack a multiple, give up a steal or two, the math, of course, doesn't work out there, and the percentage differences, front ends are pretty much a push through the game. Carly Burgess played well, throw 79%, uh, so just a little worse than Val Sweeting at 86%, five points over the course of the game in, in total. But it's Jennifer Jones at 69% to Carrie Anderson's 89%. And I think part of that was degree of difficulty that Jennifer, in some of the cases, was throwing much more difficult shots and, of course, had that unfortunate legitimate pick, which gives her a zero and hurts the overall score as well. So mm-hmm. uh, just uh, just an un-Jennifer Jones-like evening in a big game, unfortunately, for her. You're right, Sean. You wouldn't expect her to not convert those hammers. Uh, looking at the, the stats for the overall week, uh, Team Manitoba, they converted only 33% of their hammers. But what wow. kept kept them in things was the, the stolen points. They led the field with 35% uh, stolen ends for. So without wow. the hammer and 35% of her ends, she's stealing points. Um, and that was sort of Maybe maybe a bit more of the smoke, uh, the smoke and mirrors show uh, for Jennifer Jones this week. Uh, but Carrie Anderson, full credit, she led the field in hammer percentage this week. Uh, the only team over 50. Uh, they, they minimized the stolen points against, maximized the single points against, and uh, that's just how you win curling games. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. You score more than the other team, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, exactly. The basic analytics of it. You know, not to get too in depth into the analytics. You know, it's uh, uh, more points it tends to be good. Usually good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations to Carrie Anderson. We will try our best to put that into some sort of context in the summer in a summer episode we talked about doing this Mm -hmm. in the preview that if they were to win we will do this and yeah we'll go back and try to put it into context with the other runs of sorts obviously the only other four straight is colleen jones in the early aughts but you do have three in a row for jennifer jones in the late aughts you do have the vera pezzer three in a row and then you even, I don't know if the Kelly Scott two in a row counts within this realm. You have the Schmirler run, which of course includes the Olympic Games that we're going to have to consider, or somebody like Heather Houston winning back-to-back. I, I think we'll mm-hmm. try to put it all into some sort of historic context of what does this mean for Carrie Anderson within the larger scope of Canadian women's curling and try to assess this era against those other eras where you had dynastic teams yeah not easy to do especially given the professionalization of the game and and sort of the competition level now compared to you know 30 or or 40 years ago but yeah uh, yeah, we'll have to dig into it for sure and it'll be a lot of fun to do that uh, but we have time to look into that so a silver medal of course for jennifer jones she is now i believe six and four in Scotty's finals, and it's pretty good to get to ten. Yeah, I will say, yeah. Uh, you know, there's no no real complaints there. And I think when you look at the way the team performed around her, 
really good sign for them. Third time there for Mackenzie Zacharias, Carly Burgess, the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. And to get to that final, to get to that, to get that experience of losing, obviously they would have rather won the game, but losing can be beneficial in your long-term developments. There are people who've talked about this, that if you win one early, you start potentially to think, Oh, this is easy. And for some people, if you lose, it just increases the drive. Uh, and for these players, from what I can gather, that might be hard to do, uh, that their compete level, their drive level, the, their commitment to it is already very high. So I don't know if it's possible yeah. for them to, to increase that at all. But if it is, uh, people do subscribe to that. And certainly in sports like the NBA, people say that all the time, that you got to get there and lose before you can win it. And the fact that they played as well as they did bodes well, I think, for their future. Absolutely. The level of play was excellent all week. Uh, the amount that they're learning from Jennifer Jones is, is great. The body language of the team looked good. Like uh, they were all supporting yeah. each other. And I don't know if I've heard Jennifer sort of talking that much in the last couple of years that as the team sort of knows each other, right? Maybe you don't have to speak as much, but no, I think, it, I think it was great. An excellent sign for the team. They're learning a lot and uh, they're going to be here for, for years and years to come. Absolutely. So uh, congratulations to them on a solid week. The bronze medalist is Northern Ontario, Krista McCarvel, consecutive podium appearances for them. Obviously not what they wanted, especially after winning on Friday night to get into that 1-2 game. They lose to Jennifer Jones in that, then lose to Carrie Anderson in the semifinal. It was 7-5 in the semifinal. Got off to an okay start. They got forced in the first end. And then the steal, though, in the second end, then couldn't really generate much through the rest of that game. Mm -hmm. And so disappointing for Kristen McCarvel. She said after the game that I think the biggest difference for them between the week and the playoffs was they just lost a bit of their draw weight and being able to control the draws. So that put them in a, a tough position, obviously, if you're not getting the draws in the right spot. So a disappointing week. She did say in that post-game interview that, we're going to win it. We just don't know when. We're, yeah. We are going to win it. So it was nice to see that level of confidence, uh, but certainly in the moment, a, a disappointing result after what was a very strong week for them. For sure. Uh, they were sort of like under the radar a bit. Uh, we talked about them being on TV a lot at the beginning of the week, and then not really at the end when they sort of had their quote-unquote easier games. Uh, nothing that easy in, in Pool B. But, uh, yeah, they were just pretty solid all week and you won't find them sort of at the top of the percentages for any position, but I, I guess maybe Sarah Potts got a second team all-star, but yeah. they're just consistent and made the shots when they had to what seemed to be their sort of weakest spot throughout the end of the week was uh, Kendra Lilly uh, not playing quite as well in that semifinal as we're accustomed to uh, seeing her play, as well as in that page one two game, so uh, yeah, she was the low low one on the team uh, for both of those games. I I don't know. I think Chris is right. They do have the talent to win it. I pointed at Kendra Lilly being the the weaker player this weekend. I I don't think that's fair to call her the weak link on the team. She's a great thrower, makes a ton of shots. Uh, it's just that sometimes like 
like you say, her playing well sets Kristoff to play well. And if if she, if she's a little not as sharp as she can be, uh, it hurts the skipper. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I think might be the biggest difference between if you're someone who goes and plays at the rec level like we are mm-hmm. and the professional level to the the skill it takes to win Scotties or a Briar at, at the rec level, you can see teams and I'm sure everybody in their leagues probably has teams like this, that it has three relative beginners or three people who aren't the strongest players, but the skip is really good and they all play together because they're friends and they win half to more than half of their games mm-hmm. because the skip is that good at this level. You do need everybody playing well to win. Again, it's it's not that Kendra Lilly necessarily played bad. I mean, Ashley Sipola's numbers weren't great in that one-two game either. So if, if through the lineup getting to the skip, you're being outplayed or you have a minus, that makes the skip shots that much harder. And it's harder for a skip to bail when you're at that level than yeah. what you might see at your local rec player. Now, at the same time, we'll note that you often see the same skips at the the finals and uh, playing at the the highest levels because there is a disproportionate impact of the skips. It just makes their job that much easier when everyone's playing well. And unfortunately for Northern Ontario, two games that they did not play their best, and admittedly they did not play their best Mm -hmm. over the weekend, and that gets them into that bronze medal position. But uh, I picked them at the start of the week, and Scott, I might pick them again next year. Yeah, no, I, I think they should feel really good about their week. They did what they had to do and uh, just couldn't quite put it together at the end. But uh, they put themselves in the position to be able to win, right? And that's what you want to do. Um, At at the end of the week, you can say, listen, we put ourselves in the position to win. Uh, Didn't fall our way at the end. Same thing happened last year, right? Just didn't fall our way at the end. But uh, no, like Chris is right. They're going to win one. Yeah, I agree with you. On that, I agree with her on that, that they will win one. And the idea, too, like, you know, in the olden days, used to be you play the round robin best record wins. Now that wouldn't have won them the event this week. That would have gone to Kerry Anderson, mm-hmm. even though everyone didn't play the same thing. But I think there is sometimes, and I, I was sort of prompted by listening actually to Bob Ryan the other day, that we tend to dismiss sometimes the regular season or in the Scotties or a Briar, the round robin, and they're consistently great in the round robin. They just haven't been able to get over the hump in the playoffs, but that shouldn't diminish how good they have been in those round robins. Absolutely not. Uh, they've, they've been the top of the field, and it's one of those things that uh, they can do it together because right. they know each other so well, and they don't have to go out and play. Right. So, yeah, there's there's like advantages to playing a lot, getting points, getting reps. This team, they know each other, that they know how to do it together uh, and they can just, you know, roll it out and make uh, make the podium. So, uh, no, great squad. I I might make a comparison, which might be unfair to Krista McCarville in terms of the expectation that. A comparison like this might put on her but if you remember brad gushu before he won one yeah that it was a sense of really good always in contention making playoffs and it was a question of when is he going to get over the hump and once he got over the hump uh, we've seen what has happened now that's probably unfair to say well once christopher carville wins she's going to win three uh, and get into all these finals and go to the olympic like that yeah. might be 
a little unfair to put that level of expectation, but I, I see a bit of a parallel there that always in contention, going a lot, having really good results and more at this question of when as opposed to if. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, the other breakout star, if you will, of the week uh, is Christina Black and Nova Scotia. They end up in fourth place, making the playoffs. Don't call it an upset. Beating Rachel Holman in the Friday elimination game, 7-6. to six, Then losing to Krista McCarvel in, I, I don't know. I, could anyone have won that game? I'm sure somebody in the world could have. But they did have to go through the uh, the tiebreaker against Caitlin mm-hmm. Laws in the morning. And then Rachel Holman, both tight games uh, they win 7-6 in both of them, and then they had to show up and play in the Friday Fun Fest, third game of the day. I don't know what the odds were, Scott. I wouldn't have looked at it, but I would have put them at, like, plus 1,000 to win that game. Like, yeah. like it's so hard to do. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's tough. Three three in a row on any day is tough, let alone games against the caliber, teams like caliber of, of Caitlin Laws and Rachel Holman. And then you win both of those games in extra end steals. It's uh, it's gonna take take a lot of uh, energy and emotion, so yeah. real tough to uh, to bounce back on that. But you know, all full credit to them. They played those games really well, uh, kept in it. Just uh, yeah, it was a lot. They're a lot of fun to watch. Long games for them. That game against home is pretty interesting too. In that they're down by a point without the hammer in the eighth end, get the steal to tie it, mm-hmm. give up two in the ninth, and then to force the extra to get it to, which is not easy to do against Rachel Holman. There are some teams in the field that will are not as strong at peeling, especially double peels. Uh, team Holman is not one of those uh, teams. You, you would expect that it would be a very difficult task, even with all the the uh, five-rock rule to be able to generate a two against them. And they did it. So uh, full credit to them beating two very strong teams. And for the second straight year, we had an East coast team into the playoffs, which is really fun to see. And teams that aren't necessarily ranked highly, they don't play a lot on tour, at least in the tour events in central and Western Canada. But for two years in a row now, we've seen, teams that can obviously compete at this level and i think is a bit of something to think about for david murdoch as he enters this new job and reconsiders what the high performance program is going to look like yeah yeah this is um this is sort of the beauty of this event right that there are teams that are put together by themselves come to this event and make noise uh Anyone can beat anyone, it seems, out there. Maybe not anyone, but, you know, we saw UConn, like, take Rachel home into the last rock. So there's something to be said about this model of choosing your own team rather than what I think everybody thinks David Murdoch's going to do is put together teams, right? Uh, That's what worked for the, the Scottish program. So, yeah, like, think about that and think about what this event is for. Is Christina Black going to be, you know, the best team in this field every time? No, they're not. But this week they were, and this week is what matters, right? So yeah. uh, that's the fun of the event. If we all knew who was going to win 
before it started, like it wouldn't be that fun to watch, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, as Chris Berman always said, that's why they play the game. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so elsewhere around the playoffs. Clancy Grandy is the other playoff team. She beats Laurie St. George in the tiebreaker on Friday morning. Really tough Friday morning for Laurie St. George. I watched a lot of that game. Uh, or, or, sorry, I watched the broadcast, and they cut in more than they typically do uh, in that uh, to that game. And, and Laurie really was struggling. She had to play really aggressively. Uh, had some really tough shots. So a tough morning for them after what was a tough Thursday night, too, not being able to get the win to get right into the playoffs. Uh, they looked really disappointed on Thursday nights and certainly a quick turnaround for them, but good showing for Clancy Grandy as a rookie team uh, that they get in to the playoffs. So congratulations to them. That was kind of exciting to see. I thought, I think it was exciting. Yeah. Young team, their first sort of experience here at the Scotties and, and played pretty well. They're overall ups and downs, you know, uh, there sure. were some games that, weren't particularly close, but, uh, you know, they were full measure for their effort, uh, I thought. So we, could we see this team uh, again at the Scotties? You know, maybe be the the foil to Corinne Brown representing British Columbia? Could we see a sort of fight where they maybe they go every other year, you know, back and forth? I don't know. It could be, it could be fun. It's nice to have two uh, solid teams in a province. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly makes the provincials more interesting, depending on how much they may or may not want to play on tour. Really, the only big event that takes place in BC in terms of points right now is the event in Penticton. But if they want to travel a little bit and get points, you could see them potentially in a wild card position, uh, depending on, on obviously how provincial championships shake out but yeah they were a lot of fun mm -hmm. certainly this week as the host team we mentioned caitlin laws getting into the tiebreaker as well uh, certainly i think a very good opening salvo at the scotties for them and we'll have to see of course when the full lineup is there mm -hmm. uh, with selena negevin next year this year has been tough for them in that there's just been so many different lineup changes that they haven't had the season as the four together. Uh, and they talked about this a lot on the broadcast that basically every month they've made lineup changes, just given the life situations that they're all in with uh, pregnancies and, and family that we haven't had a chance to see the four of them together for a sustained period yet. And presumably that will not happen obviously now until next year. Cause the season at this point is really winding down and mm -hmm. that Jocelyn Peterman is pregnant. So we'll see what her, status is if she's going to play in those closing grand slams or not but really i think we know they're all really good players and we know that when they have a chance to have a sustained period together that they should be very very good together no doubt no doubt that's a tough uh, situation for anyone so expect higher things from them going forward uh, elsewhere, just some other notes. Uh, Alberta, uh, Kayla Skrillick, really good performance for them. First time 4-4, four and four, uh, had the tough game Thursday night against Clancy Grandy, which was a must-win for them. But that was a really fun team, high-scoring, playing aggressively. As we saw during the Alberta final, not scared of any shots. Uh, yep. So I'm all in on, on them. I, I think they were one of the more fun teams there this week. 
and Megan Walter, another one, after a really tough start for her, she comes back, wins some games. Uh, she has a stage. I, I felt she just had a stage presence. This kind of kind of like Kayla Skrillick a little bit. Hmm. Just got the sense that she wasn't scared of anything, any any shots. Like, oh yeah, you want me to throw this run back or this like eight foot angle double? Sure, yeah, okay, I got it. Hmm. Okay, I, I I didn't get that feeling, but uh... okay. No, I, that's interesting. I'm, yeah, I think but I think it developed right. So by the end of the week, yeah. she was much more comfortable. It would seem uh, in sure. in the role. But uh, yeah, they they had a fun uh, a fun week. Some good games. Absolutely, and uh, elsewhere, I mean, a disappointing week for Andrea Kelly. They go three and five, not what they wanted. Following up on last year, Stacy Curtis two and six, but some close games for her. You talked on Thursday, Haley Burney uh, with a win and pushed straight home into the tenth end. So I think uh, overall, solid week for them. Suzanne Burt's going to be disappointed at two and six. Never really had her draw weight over the course of the week. Uh, Nunavut, a bit of what you expected, not getting. A win. They didn't take anybody to the last rock, but there were a couple games that were close-ish through the middle. So probably what you would have expected there. Hope they had fun. And for Robin Silvernagel and that team, obviously they would have wanted to win more, but I think a really cool story for Robin Silvernagel, not only herself to have been there, but Kelly Schaefer playing. Uh, I think that's a really cool story. An Olympian for Scotland now living here. And, uh, you know, we saw Robin's son during the Sandra Schmerler telethon. It's great that he's doing well. Looks like a really happy uh, little guy there. So that that was a wonderful story just for her to be there, uh, for her whole family to be there. So even though the record wasn't great, I think, at least from my perspective as someone, as, as a viewer, the bigger story or the, the more important thing is that she could share that with her family. Absolutely. Feel good story um, for sure. And I noticed that a uh, photo of the family made its way into the Vic essay. It did. Yes. Yes. And there was a Vic essay about Robin Silvernagel too, during the telethon that uh, if you haven't seen that, I would highly recommend it. So, Overall, Scott, I think it was a, a fun week. The attendance wasn't great, but it looked better over the weekend. So whereas a lot of the round-robin draws, are we like this as fans where you can kind of move around the seats and sort of pick your spot and move throughout the game? It was harder to do that if you were there in person over the weekend, which is a good sign uh, that uh, the folks out there in Kamloops posted for the playoffs. For sure. They, they posted, uh, did well. I think we'll be seeing more events in camp loops. Yeah, the players seem to like it. And you do wonder, too, that they do have the Memorial Cup this year. So that is two pretty big events in not that far apart from each other. So you do wonder if that had any impact on, say, week-long passes mm-hmm. as opposed to the weekend passes, particularly the championship weekend passes. But I don't know. They were there. They were there over the weekend. They were loud. It was fun. Good job, Kamloops. And uh, from all accounts, it was a very well-run event. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, anything else there, Scott, from the 2023 Scotties that you want to touch on? Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Boudric calling a few more games. I think yep. this is sort of the presage to coming up uh, whenever Vic's ready to 
lay it down. Uh, we thought Joanne Courtney was really good uh, from the broadcast side. The the ice looked good all week. I didn't see any complaints about it on championship weekend, so nice that it held up. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess we've got how many more days? Three more days until uh, the Briar starts? Yeah, starts on Friday. All right. Here this week, yeah, the, the 2023 Tim Hortons Briar, the final Tim Hortons Briar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We don't know what it'll be called after that, right? No. Maybe it'll be the Game of Stones Briar. I don't know. We'll see. Well, see if they accepted our bid. Yeah, well. We'll have to negotiate, uh, have our agent negotiate. (laughs) I feel like we put in a very uh, fair offer. I agree. I agree. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see if Curling Canada agrees with that. Uh, So, yeah, the final Tim Hortons Briar uh, will kick off. We will be back later in the week to talk all about it. So do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, likes, rates, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. You can follow us over on social media, at Game of Stones Pod, Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook, Game of Stones Podcast. You can email us, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com, or just head on over to Game of Stones Pod.com. Scott, since you are not in your typical recording location, and somewhat unexpectedly still in your undisclosed location, we will do the announcement for the Elsa Craig print when we do the Briar preview. Yes. Because that's... we don't have the, you don't have access to everything right now. So we will do that later in the week. Our apologies for that. But we will do it. And do pay attention to that Briar preview because there is a chance that we have another one that we will do a similar contest for. Exactly. So keep paying attention, and uh, we'll announce that we'll announce that on uh, whatever day we we are able to record. Whatever, yeah, yeah. If you ever make it home, home, yes. Uh, fingers crossed. So uh, on yeah. that note, I must go and see if I can find out any more information. But uh, it was great uh, talking to you. Yeah, just one thirty seconds, real quick. We'll probably talk about this more later in the week. Uh, congratulations to the professor of Peel. That's right. English national champion. Yeah, our friends from uh, Rocks Across the Pond to let us know that Jonathan won uh, with, with Team Retchless. The English yeah. championship, he, he tried nine times and uh, finally got the title. So they will be going back to the European Bs in November, or going to them, not back, but going to them yeah. to try and get England into that A pool. Really exciting for... Jonathan, uh, congratulations to him and Team Retchless. Scott, we had talked on the show, will there be a curling gambling scandal? Ah. If Jonathan is part of the picks bet next year, we could be the cause of it. So I don't think he will be able to participate next year. No, unfortunately, but that's okay. Uh, you want to avoid those conflicts of interest. We'll we'll figure out a better way to uh, preview the Euros. Uh, maybe not better, <laughs> but uh, a different, different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, congratulations to them, and uh, I'm sure they'll do a full discussion of it over on Rocks Across the Pond, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing mm-hmm. Jonathan's story. So uh, keep an eye out over there for that, and keep an eye out here in this space later in the week for our full Briar preview. But until we chat then, Scott, I hope you get home and get home safely. Thanks, A. And to everyone else, we'll talk to you later in the week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...